Uh, okay, good morning everyone. Uh, it's really good to see half of your faces. Uh, kind of semi getting used to that, getting so used to it. I started the live stream in Carnmoney last Sunday with my mask still on and there were people waving at me from the back of the building and I couldn't figure out why they were making the, holding up masks and I'm thinking, what are they talking about? I suddenly realized I've still got my mask on. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's kind of disconcerting too because I'm, you know, I'm in Tesco's and I see members of the congregation and I smile at them. But then I think, of course, they don't know what I'm smiling because I've got a mask on. I'm thinking they probably think I'm staring them out. That, I'm just trying, you know. Anyway, it's good, good to see you, and it's really nice to be here. Um, you've been sort of doing what we've been doing uh, in that for the uh, we had a series of three Sundays where we were looking at uh, at our values and and uh, who we who we had become. And, and so, uh, just like you, we'd been thinking a bit about that. And, and what I want to share with you today is what I kind of shared up on the Carnmoney Road site uh, when we came to the end of that, um, that series. Um, and over the last five months, most of you will probably know my circumstances and circumstances of our family and that, and that at the end of May, I lost my wife, Christine. She died after a very short illness. It was a bit of um, for us all. And over the five-month period from... Christine took ill until, um, until she died a few months ago. People have sent me loads of songs. You know, I get a text message or a Facebook message with a link to a YouTube uh, video, which is usually a Christian song of some sort. And, I, and they've all been really great. But a few weeks ago, I got one particular song that a member of the congregation sent to me. And uh, she had wavered over sending it. She had heard the song five months ago when she first found out that Christine wasn't well and she wanted to send it to me. She didn't have the courage to send it to me so then she kind of forgot about it and then a few weeks ago it came back into her head. She heard it somewhere and she thought I should send you on that song and the song doesn't really answer any of the questions that I or you might have right now but it is, it makes one great statement of faith. Here's a few lines from the song. When all foundations have been shaken, when I'm left standing in the dark and all I feel is my heart breaking, you still reign and you're still God. And when it feels all hope is fading, the heavy questions hit so hard and though my soul may feel forsaken, you still reign and you're still God. Though I can't see what's before me, I know that I can trust your heart and this one truth will be my story, that you still reign and you're still God. And those words are essentially, make the same great statement of faith that you also find in the 46th Psalm, which I want to read for you now, and the words of which will, will come up on screen. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. 
the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. The whole song that I've just read, not unlike the song that the member of the congregation sent to me, that whole song is about the reality of the God of Jacob and his powerful activity in our world. And we need to hear about that, all of us, right now. You've spent five Sundays, we spent three Sundays reminding ourselves of who we are trying to become, what our values are. In our case, we are trying to work to be a people who are going deeper, growing closer, reaching wider. That, that's where we're at. But how are we supposed to do what we feel God called us to do? And how are you supposed to do what you think God called you to do when in the midst of this crisis we are confused and afraid ourselves? And the psalm gives an answer to that question. And the answer to that question is that we can be the people we are called to be and do the things we are called to do because God is. That's the answer. God is, that's more or less all that the psalm says. Why does that matter? It matters because if he is, then there are three things according to the psalm. If he is, then first of all, there is a refuge. 46th Psalm was penned by the sons of Korah who were the hill song of their generation. And they begin their song with a line, okay, which is really well known. God is our refuge and our strength. Eugene Peterson translates those words like this in the message. God is a safe place to hide. A refuge is an impregnable place. In the second movie, uh, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Two Towers, in the middle of the kind of central act of that movie is a battle which takes place uh, where the warriors of Rohan face the massive orc army of Saruman. And in that part of the movie, they, they take their, the, the, the warriors of Rohan take their stand at a place called Helm's Deep because as King Theoden, their leader says, it is a fortress that has never been taken. One of the reasons why the city where I grew up is sometimes called the Maiden City is because that city has never been taken. The reason why is the walls, which to this day make Londonderry one of the finest examples of a walled city in all Europe. Those walls, which are 1.5 kilometers in length, vary between 12 and 35 feet in width. They have never been breached. They were never taken because they are strong. And our God is strong. God is our refuge and our strength. What we understand from the scripture and from our personal experience of Jesus Christ is that nothing I face or you face 
is stronger than him. We sometimes sing, higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave, constant through the trials and the change. One thing remains, your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. He is stronger. And so the consequence is, as Peterson translates it in the message, we stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake before the rush and roar of oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's good to remember that. Because this whole crisis that we're in right now has shifted our perspective and revealed our vulnerability, young and old alike. I, I was out at Central here a number of weeks ago just as a worshiper. And uh, at that point in time, we hadn't actually, up on the site on the Carnmoney Road, asked people to start wearing masks. And, and almost nobody in our services up on the Carnmoney Road had a mask on. And I came into the church here a few Sundays ago, and there was nobody here who didn't have a mask on. And you're all so young. And I'm thinking, really? And uh, it just kind of demonstrates how vulnerable everybody feels right now. We think twice about going out. A couple of Fridays ago, Hannah and Lewis, you're sitting down there. Uh, we're coming home from work. I got a phone call from Hannah and said, hey, Dad, we're going out to course for tea. Do you want to come? And uh, I don't normally need a second invitation to go to course. That's fine, you know. But I just, you know, I said, look, love, I, I'm not sure. You and Lewis go and enjoy it. I, I think I'll, I'll just have pizza at home. That's fine. Because we feel vulnerable. We're not sure. We feel exposed. And in circumstances like that, it is so important to remember that there is someone stronger deeper than all of that. When the Rohirrim fall back as the orc army begin to attack the fortress of Helm's Deep, a cry goes up, fall back to the deep. And that's kind of what we're being called to do now. Fall back to the deep. Our God is a refuge. He is a safe place to hide. We know someone who is stronger than everything we face. If he is, then there is a refuge. If he is, then secondly, there is a river. My favorite line in the 46th Psalm, and I don't know why it's my favorite line, which is one of those one of those lines that just seem to say so much more than the words actually mean is the fourth verse of the 46th Psalm. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. If the first picture, the picture of God as a refuge, is a picture of solidity, then the second picture, the picture of God as a river, is one of flow. God is not a reservoir. He is not even an ocean. He is a river. Why does that matter? Rivers are incredible things. They're not just beautiful to look at. They are massive transportation systems. If you stood in one place for a day 
downstream beside the River Nile in Egypt. I know you can't go to Egypt at the minute, and if you did, you probably wouldn't be able to come home. But if you were able to go there and stand in the lower reaches of the River Nile for 24 hours, during that 24 hours, 79.2 billion gallons of water would have flowed past you as you stood there. Rivers, the amount of flow is incredible. They are massive transportation systems. And this psalm is saying to us that something from the beginning of creation has been flowing out of God into this world, or rather, someone. When David Allen wrote A History of the Christian Church from a Charismatic Perspective, he called his book, There is a River. Because the river here is the Holy Spirit who constantly flows among the people of God. And if the strength of God removes our fear, then the flow of God gives us joy. Peterson translates verse four, river, fountains, splash, joy. You don't always see that flow. But it's there. The Holy Spirit is with us. He is among us. But you don't always see that flow that is coming out from God among his people. When we lived in Waterloo Gardens in North Belfast, um, one day we got a knock at the door and the NI water representative was at the door and he said, you've got a leak on your premises. And he said, you need to find it and repair it. You've got a fortnight to do it. If you don't find it in a fortnight and get it fixed, we'll come in with a digger and we'll dig till we find it. So that was a reasonable incentive to try and find it for ourselves. And uh, so got a plumber along. It didn't take too long to discover that there was an outside tap in the manse and just, just below the surface of the ground, the, ta- the, the pipe had burst. And so mains water was constantly flowing out of this pipe. So we were able to get it repaired and that was fine. But I discovered in conversation with one of my neighbors a couple of days later that one, one of our neighbors, three doors down, okay, could never understand why his garden was constantly flooded. It didn't matter whether it rained or whether it didn't rain, the back lawn was just a quagmire and nothing he did changed it. And what we discovered was this, that the water which was coming out of the back of our premises, flowing out of that pipe, had etched out for itself a channel underneath the two gardens below us and was coming out three houses down and flooding that man's garden. And you wouldn't have seen the flow. And he couldn't figure out where on earth was this coming from. And sometimes it's like that in life and in the church. The scripture assures us that the Holy Spirit is being given to us, that he is flowing to us, that something of the power and grace and majesty of God is flowing among us when we gather here this morning. You don't see it, but the flow is there nonetheless. The river of God right now is flowing somewhere, even in the middle of this crisis. And what we need to do is to get ourselves into the flow of that river. The direction of our lives, the direction of our fellowship, the direction of anything that we hope to be blessed and successful needs to be in the flow of that river. And perhaps this is the adventure of this moment. Where is that river whose streams make glad the city of God? We need to get into it. 
We need to allow that river, that massive transportation system to carry us to wherever it is the Lord wants us to be. A few weeks ago, the Shimna River in Newcastle overflowed its banks and destroyed some people's homes. The Shimna River, I remember for other reasons, because the Shimna River is one of the rivers that flows through Tullymore Forest Park. And I remember when our kids were smaller, we used to go to Tullymore lots of times. I mean, it's a cheap way to look after kids for Saturday afternoon, let's face it. And so we used to go down to Tullymore. And one of the things that, that the boys especially loved to do was when you were further up into the forest park, you know, and there are bridges over the river, was to break a stick off from somewhere, drop it in one side of a bridge, run to the other side of the bridge, and first of all, see whose stick came out first, but secondly, which direction they were flowing in afterwards, you know? And, and so th that game, which we played loads of times, was all about the flow of the river. Drop the stick in on one end. But you had no idea when you dropped it in where it was going to come out at the other end. I think that's the adventure of the present moment. Something new is happening in this generation. God is at something, but we won't experience it unless we are in the flow. There is a refuge, a safe place to hide. But there is a river, the flow of God by the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our fellowship and into our world in this generation. We need to get ourselves into that flow. And lastly, there is a rest. In the last part of the psalm, the sons of Korah use a strange noun in relation to the work of God. Verse 8 of the psalm says, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. The desolations. It's a strange noun to use to describe the activity of God. It's not what we normally think of when we think of God. Desolation is emptiness. It's, it's wilderness. And I don't know about you, but over the last five months in my life, for very public and for very private reasons, I have felt like I'm living in a wilderness a place of desolation and abandonment. But here's the thing. In the purposes of God, the wilderness is a very special place. It is only recorded of Jesus twice in all his earthly life that angels ministered to him. One of those occasions was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before Jesus went to the cross where he prayed about what was going to happen over the next 24 hours. And it says in Luke chapter 22, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in a kind of a way, if an angel was going to show up for Jesus, God was going to send a messenger to be with him at a key moment of his life, you get it that it would be in Gethsemane on that particular night of agony before the cross. The other time is probably not so easy to predict. The other time was in the wilderness when at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry he was tempted by the enemy. And about that ordeal, Mark says this, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. When I read those words, it reminds me of a story in the life of Elijah, which I'm sure you will know when after the huge and significant moment of victory on the mountain, uh, the next day, 
he gets a message from Jezebel and he flees. He runs away to the wilderness, takes a day's journey into the wilderness wanting to die. And twice in that wilderness situation and in that moment of his life, an angel came to Elijah. And the second time he came, we read that the angel said to him, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. The angel came to attend to the needs of the prophet. I don't know what Jesus needed for his earthly ministry. But whatever it was, the angels attended to those needs as they came to him in the wilderness before that ministry began. It says of Elijah, strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Whatever it was that Jesus needed, he received in that moment. God attended to his needs. I think we might be in a prophetic moment right now. If only we could be still and allow God to attend to our needs right now, to give us rest. And if we miss this moment, either individually or as a fellowship of God's people, if we miss this moment, we will never know something that we really need to know because the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. There's something we cannot know unless we come to the point of rest unless we stop in a wilderness moment, which this is for many of us individually and for all of us corporately, stop in that wilderness moment and allow the Lord to minister to us right now. I have a frustration in my heart and I think that frustration is from the Lord. And the frustration is that we need stillness if we are to hear from him and if we are to know who he is, yet to achieve that moment of stillness and quietness and waiting on God, even in the context of church right now, is proven to be really difficult. I have a problem with my ears uh, and the deafness which it creates at times. So right now when I'm talking to you, I can hear virtually nothing on the right-hand side. So if you're gonna talk to me afterwards, get on my left, okay? I probably won't hear what you're saying. And the reality about it is, of course, that when I'm like that, I struggle to hear people talking. And I really struggle if two or three people are talking at once. And so the reality is I end up asking, answering questions I was never asked. And of course, most people are far too kind of decent, you, you know, and respectful to ever tell me, John, I didn't ask you that, you know. But uh, Christine used to laugh at me all the time when it happened at home. She'd ask me something and I would answer something. And then when she laughed, I knew that obviously I hadn't actually heard what she said. Um, and it's hugely annoying, and I usually go to hospital for an appointment, and they help me, but I haven't had an appointment for six months now, so I'm really in trouble. And my problem is that when I'm like that, it's hard enough to hear people, but if two people are talking at once, I don't have a hope. And what, what, what's going on right now in the world? Our social media feeds are full of podcasts and sermons and webinars and uh, my 
inbox seems to be bombarded almost on a daily basis by church house with courses and guidelines and resources. And sometimes I want to rudely say, would you please shut up because you're talking and I can't hear somebody else I really need to hear right now. Don't talk. I need to hear the still small voice and I can't hear it when you're talking. See, the point is this. You don't need to know what I think. And however much I love you all, I don't need to know what you think. What we need to know is what God thinks and what God wants right now and why in the midst of this international crisis, perhaps one of the largest international crises in all of our lifetimes, what is God saying into those circumstances and who does he want us to be? And unless we can be still, we will not know him And if we do not know him, we will not hear him. Remember the lines of the song that I was sent? Though I can't see what's before me, I know that I can trust your heart. And this one truth will be my story, that you still reign and you're still God. If that is true, then you and I, we have a refuge, safe place to hide, an impregnable fortress that can never be breached in the heart of God. And there is a river, there is a flow that from before the beginning of time has been proceeding from the Father's heart, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that comes among us to direct our lives and we are being called to get ourselves into that flow. And there is a rest We live in a wilderness right now, but the wilderness is a very special place of the purposes of God. And in the wilderness, he comes to meet our need and to speak quietly into our hearts. All he asks of us is that we need to be still and listen. If we can experience those things, something else is a result, which is kind of the thought I want to leave you with. It's occurred to me, only occurred to me last night when I was reading over this sermon again. That last verse from the psalm that I quoted is an invitation. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. I wonder if that is a hint about the kind of people we're supposed to be right now. We are meant to be people whose lives provide an invitation to come and see. Come and take a look and what it looks like to live in faith in the God of Jacob right now. Come and see. How could we be people who live as an invitation, either collectively or individually? And what is it that God might be wanting to invite others into through our lives? That's the prophetic moment. That's the question, the answer that we need to know. We don't have that answer right now. I said to a church leader I was talking to the other day, I believe this is a prophetic moment. The only only problem is we haven't heard the prophecy. We need God to speak because the future might look very different to what we thought it was going to look like. Church might be very different to what we thought it was going to be. If we are to be the people uh, who become an invitation in and of ourselves, who do we need to be? What is God speaking into our lives? We need to hear that voice. We need to hear that prophecy. And then we need to follow it.
can I encourage you in Central? Central's very existence has such a huge encouragement to us on the current money road. All your brothers and sisters up there, we love it that you exist. We love it that you're here. We love what you've done to this building and what you're doing in the lives of the people whom you've gathered up. And we're so excited about that, and it's great. But hey, I need to challenge you today, and I need to say to you, if you are to be prophetic in the current moment, then what is it that the Lord is calling you now to be? How can you live as an invitation to come and see?